Greetings, fellow Bruins fans, and welcome to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every other day for the time being. I hope you're all doing well. Happy Friday. It's the weekend. Let's party. Not really. Let's start with some introductory remarks. If you are not yet subscribed to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, you can do so by going to Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts. Subscribe to the podcast and each new episode will be automatically uploaded to your feed for you to download, listen, and enjoy. If you could also rate and review, that would be very much appreciated. You can follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Boston Bruins. And you can also find me on that website at Ian C. McLaren. You can also email the show at LockedOnBostonBruins at gmail.com if you're feeling a bit wordy. Now today on the podcast, we are going to update some Bruins news and notes, of which there is a few lately. I also want to talk about a class action lawsuit that was filed against the Canadian Hockey League by uh, former NHLer Dan Carcillo and others, and also just update the NHL's return to play plan and what's going on those negotiations. But first, some Bruins awards to announce. The Bruins announced their 2019-20 in-house season awards and some familiar names to report. First of all, the Elizabeth Dufresne Trophy is awarded to the outstanding performer during Bruins home games this season. He led the team in goals 28 and points 49 over the course of 35 games at TD Garden. And drumroll please, the winner is David Posternak. Forgive me for the worst drumroll in history. The next award that was announced is the John P. Busick Award. And this year's winner is Patrice Bergeron. He was selected for his contributions to the Boston community this season. He once again uh, led the charge when it came to the Bruins Pucks and Paddles event to benefit Floating Hospital for Children at Tufts Medical Center. He also visited local children's hospitals for Halloween and Christmas, delivered toys, helped brighten the days of kids who have to spend their holidays away from home. Most recently, Bergeron pledged $25,000 to the NAACP of Boston and the Centre Multi-ethnique de Quebec. I did do French all through high school, if you can tell there. Uh, to promote their efforts and advocacy for racial justice and equality, Bergeron receives $1,000 to donate to the charity of his choice from the Boston Bruins Alumni Foundation. The award, of course, is named after Bruins legend John Busick, who just finished his 62nd season with the organization. I should add that the Elizabeth Dufresne Trophy, I admittedly wasn't sure about the origins of this award, so I did some digging, and on uh, HF boards back in 2007, uh, an administrator named Fenway posted a clip from 1935 that said um, Elizabeth Dufresne was a loyal Bruins fan, a lady who for years attended every game the Bruins played, who knew all the players personally, and who was 
a great critic of the game. About a year ago, Mr. Frain was invalided and as a result hasn't been able to see any Boston games this season, though she has followed the team closely. One of her friends has donated the trophy to the Bruins. This was back in 1935, I should add. Under the deed of gift, this trophy will be presented each year to the player elected by the Boston Press as the most consistently outstanding in the team's home games. It's a huge and very handsome silver plate. Uh, I saw one commenter say that Elizabeth Dufresne is the mother of Andy Dufresne, formerly of Maine, now residing in Zihuatenyo, which was uh, pretty hilarious. But that is the story of the Elizabeth Dufresne trophy. Next, we have the Eddie Shore Award. And Bruins defenseman Brandon Carlo was selected by the gallery gods as the Eddie Shore Award winner for demonstrating exceptional hustle and determination throughout the 2019-20 season. He just finished his fourth NHL season with Boston, tied for third on the team in ice time at 20 minutes and 29 seconds per game, set a career high in scoring with four goals and 15 assists. Despite just being 23 years old, Carlo ranks eighth among current Bruins players in career games played, and he really established himself as a defensive force this season and a guy that the Bruins can certainly build around uh, moving forward. Uh, Tori Krug gave him a shout-out on Twitter for winning, to which I replied, please never leave him, and I hope that those two will remain a pair for quite some time. Finally, the 98.5 Sports Hub three stars were awarded to number one star David Pasternak, second star Tuka Rask, who compiled a 14-2-6 record with a 9.26 save percentage with three shutouts in 22 starts at home, and then Brad Marchand, the third star, with 14 goals, 27 assists for 41 points and 35 games at home this year. So congrats to those guys for bringing home those awards and learn something new every day. And we now know where the Elizabeth Dufresne trophy comes from. Now, I talked a couple weeks ago about Kevin Miller and his response to Black Lives Matter and also being named a finalist for the Masterton Trophy, or not a finalist, but Boston's nominee. He had a, a Zoom call the other day, and Matt Porter of the Boston Globe uh, followed up on the uh, whole Black Lives Matter. He mentioned that Miller's original post, which included Black Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter, All Lives Matter, uh, has since been deleted. And he gave a pretty long answer on Wednesday about uh, his thoughts on the issue. So I thought I'd give him, uh, not give him, but I would, you know, mention those comments just to follow up on the discussion we had on the podcast a couple weeks ago. He said, first and foremost, I stand firmly behind my teammates, the organization, the statements they've made, the courageous statements they've made. Everybody loves to hear and loves to see that there is a conversation that needs to be had and there is some change that needs to happen. Miller called the widely shared video of uh, Derek Chauvin kneeling on George Floyd's neck for 8 minutes and 46 seconds disgusting to watch. He then said it was, quote, unfortunate that it became a, quote, diversive issue. 
In Miller's view, protesters taking uh, your either with us or against us stance and rioting won't help advance the cause of equality. Quote, I think the protests are necessary. It's part of our First Amendment rights. It's right there in the Constitution. The majority of people who are protesting are doing it in a very good way. And it's unfortunate that some of the protests have turned into riots and clouded what happened. What's frustrating, 99.99% of all people are on the same page. They saw the video and said this is wrong. We should all use this as a rallying cry to come together. It's unfortunately gone the other way. It's become a divisive issue where it should be one where it brings everyone together. As far as the military and police and first responder support goes, I don't view one life as more meaningful than another. What happened to Mr. Floyd was terrible. Then you see some of the acts that happened afterwards where you see the police officers and citizens being killed during some of these riots. Race aside, I don't really know if that's possible, Kevin, but okay. He said, I think the value of life and love for people and love for your neighbor and one another needs to go up. That's just my view. It's almost strange for me nowadays that you can't say one thing and be on both sides. You can't say I support Black Lives Matter and also I support the police and not be on one side. I think that is wrong. People are mad. I understand that. They have the right to be mad. I'm mad. A lot of people saw George Floyd's death and they're just, it's not okay. It needs to be, it should have been, I wish it would have been a rallying cry for real change in one direction rather than saying you're either with us or against us. I think that's unfortunate. He concluded by saying, I believe in the American spirit. I believe that people truly care about one another. I think in some time it's going to cause some really good change, not just in our sport, but throughout the country. I'm looking forward to seeing brighter days to come. I mean, I disagree with Kevin. I think obviously it is a divisive issue and it must be. And I think it's very okay to say black lives matter period without qualifying it with caveats to cover your ass and say, you know, these people matter as well. The whole point of black lives matter is that all lives won't matter until Black Lives Matter, and I think that's the key point to remember. So that's what Kevin had to say. I thought I would just follow up our earlier conversation, and uh, if you want to let me know what you think, you can tweet at LO underscore Boston Bruins with uh, your thoughts on that. Now I just want to talk for a moment about rockauto.com. For the car enthusiasts out there, rockauto.com is the perfect place to get all the auto parts you need whether it's to fix up your car at a shop or to do it yourself. They're a family-owned website serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. If you go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts, you can see options from hundreds of manufacturers, everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. If you go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck, please write locked on in their how did you hear about us section so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com now on this podcast in the past i am sure that i have talked about how i respect former nhler dan carcillo for taking a stand against uh 
I was going to say bullying, but it's not even that. It's uh, systemic abuse that is present within the ranks of uh, junior hockey up here in Canada. Now, for those of you who may not be quite familiar with um, the Canadian Hockey League, it's, of course, the Junior Hockey League in Canada. It's broken up into several tiers, and Major Junior up here is broken into three hockey leagues, one in Quebec, one in Ontario, and one in Western Canada. Now, players aged 16 to 20 at the beginning of the season are eligible to play in the Canadian Hockey League Major Junior program. There are limits on how many 20-year-olds can be on a team. There are limits on how many 16-year-olds can be on a team. And there's even an an exception to allow the odd 15-year-old to play in the league. So if you think about what life is like when you're 16, 15, compared to what life is like when you're 20, and mixing all the ages in between onto one team within the context of hockey, you can see how things might go awry and according to a lawsuit filed by Dan Carcillo and Garrett Taylor who are former uh, Canadian Hockey League players the allegations in this lawsuit are explosive they're disturbing they're sickening and I just wanted to bring them to your attention in case you missed it yesterday so a few days ago actually there was a player that used to um, play for the Kitchener Rangers in 2016 and he alleged that he was forced to do cocaine in a bathroom as a rookie and now this lawsuit kind of pushes that wide open and alleges that routinely victims were hazed bullied physically and verbally harassed assaulted sexually harassed and sexually assaulted according to the lawsuit And this is from uh, Ken Campbell of the Hockey News, his report on it. He writes, according to the lawsuit, and I should add here a warning for anyone who may have experienced abuse in the past, uh, hearing these things may uh, bring up some trauma or emotions uh, that you might not want to deal with right now. So please feel free to skip ahead. So Campbell writes, according to the lawsuit, Players were, among other things, forced to masturbate in front of teammates and coaches, forced to sexually assault teammates, to consume saliva, urine, semen, feces of other players, to sexually engage with animals. It is also alleged that players had heavy objects tied to their genitals, had their genitals dipped in irritants and tusk liquids, had objects such as hockey sticks, brooms, and food forced inside of them it's also alleged that players were forced to consume large amounts of alcohol and illicit drugs now carcillo he played four seasons for the sarnia sting and the mississauga ice dogs of the ohl before going on to a 10-year pro career that included stanley cup with the blackhawks in 2013 which we're all familiar with here at the locked on boston bruins podcast since his retirement he's been an outspoken advocate for players rights and mental health Garrett Taylor played two seasons in the WHL for the Lethbridge Hurricanes and had a pro career that lasted just 10 games. 
In the statement of claim, Carcillo alleges he was subject to almost constant and repetitive abuse while playing for the Sting during the 2002-03 season. He alleges that nothing was done to protect him and the other 12 rookies on the team, despite the fact that coach Jeff Perry and GM Terry Doran were aware of what was happening. The lawsuit also claims that the abuse left Carcillo permanently traumatized. He suffered mental health issues which were not present before the abuse abuse he endured. He continues to suffer from these mental health issues to this day. Here are just a couple examples again of what happened or what's alleged to have happened. Carcillo said during showers, rookies were required to sit in the middle of the shower room naked while other players urinated, spat saliva, and tobacco chew on them. At least once, head coach Perry walked into the shower room while this was occurring, laughed, and walked out. Rookies were repetitively hit on their bare buttocks with a sawed-off goalie stick, developing large welts and open sores. The injuries were so bad that they couldn't sit down, even while attending local high school classes. They advised team staff of this abuse, but it still did not stop. On road trips, rookies would be stripped naked and sent into the bus bathroom eight at a time. The older players would tape the boys' clothes up in a ball, which were thrown into the bathroom. They were not allowed out until they were dressed, which could take hours. Older players would pour chew, saliva, and urine on them through the vents. This took place in front of coaches and trainers. This was happening on the bus as they were going to uh, games in other cities. Oh, my goodness. It's just uh, so sad to read this kind of thing. Another example, the older players would put the rookies in laundry bin on wheels four at a time. They would run the laundry bin into a wall as fast as it could go. Players suffered injuries, including being knocked unconscious. It was called the rookie rocket. Again, these are kids 16, 17 years old. If you're not familiar with the system again, these kids, they're from all parts of Ontario. And if they play for, say a team across the province, then at age 16, 17, they move out of their parents' homes, they live with a billet family, and for the entirety of the season, they are under the watch of their billet families as well as, obviously, the teams, the coaches, the management who have you know, all the power over these kids, unfortunately. Uh, at one point, head coach Perry walked in on a naked rookie taped to a table with his buttocks in the air. Older players were whipping him with a belt. The head coach took part, whipped the child, and laughed while the boy cried. Now, I have been going to junior hockey games for decades now, and it just breaks my heart to think that these kids who are out there on the ice skating were going through this at the same time. This isn't necessarily new information. Carcillo has been outspoken about this for quite some time, and hopefully now this formal lawsuit will bring more awareness and, more importantly, change within Hockey Canada. Like, things really need to change here. This is unacceptable and heartbreaking, shocking, disgusting, all the things you want to say about it, and I hope that this lawsuit brings uh, quite a reckoning for uh, 
the Canadian Hockey League. And let's be honest, I'm sure it happens in uh, the NCAA as well. Let's not kid ourselves and think that it's just a Canadian issue, that it's just a CHL issue, but it happens uh, in all levels of hockey, um, including the NHL. We saw even that athletic article a couple weeks ago where, you know, Jake DeBrusque was named as the Bruins' whipping boy. Now it's innocent joking as far as we know, and Zdeno Chara, Patrice Bergeron have been outspoken about protecting rookies and not subjecting them to this kind of thing. But just even just that language and that it's kind of accepted within hockey circles uh, needs to change as well. If you want to read more about it, I, I recommend checking out uh, Ken Campbell's article on the Hockey News, and you can see um, yeah other details about it if you check out um yeah just google dan carcillo chl lawsuit and you can get all the details there as well before we move on i just want to talk for a moment about built bar built bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar if you go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on you'll get ten dollars off your first order you can choose between eight chocolate nut flavors eight chocolate nut free flavors they are delicious, covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. They're also uh, low sugar, low calorie, high fiber, high protein. The perfect snack, especially for those of us who are working from home, stuck, not really getting out of the house much these days. And uh, you can really feel good having a tasty snack, but also one that is healthy for you. So BuiltBar.com, $10 off your first order Uh Go check them out right now. You won't regret it. All right, let's finish with some news and notes about the NHL's return to play plan. Now, the Canadian government has issued an order that would allow Edmonton, Toronto, or Vancouver to serve as one of the NHL's two hub cities for the 2014 playoff tournament later this summer. The governor general, who, you know, is just some figurehead up here in Canada, signed a thing that would say that uh, you don't have to have a 14-day quarantine, uh, which is in place right now for all individuals entering the country. So that's uh, been wiped away for uh, pro hockey players, uh, meaning that one of those cities could conceivably serve as a uh, hub town. Uh, there are 10 that are in the running. Las Vegas is reportedly considered to be a front-runner, but it's also believed the league would like to play some games in Canada as well. Vegas is a bit of a hot spot for COVID-19 right now, which is also a bit of a concern. Now, Pierre Lebrun of the Athletic cites a source claiming the NHL and the PA are attempting to negotiate the layers for Phase 3 and 4 of the return-to-play plan while also trying to hammer out an extension to the CBA. Uh, LeBron's source suggested the return to play plan and CBA extension could be presented as one package to the players before the end of the month. Now remember, uh, phase two is set to begin in July, which is training camps. Uh, there's still no formal agreement in place between the two sides on all the specifics in relation to actually um, playing games in the future. So that's still something to consider. There are players with valid questions about 
uh, health concerns, about life in quarantine during the tournament. Um, should the playoff tournament go off without a hitch, the Stanley Cup could be awarded in early October with the draft and free agency beginning later in that month. And that's if everything goes smoothly, if there's an agreement in place to play, um, and, you know, there's no further shutdown due to COVID-19. Bob McKenzie of TSN is reporting that if an NHL player tests positive for COVID-19, we won't find out what team they belong to. Instead, the league will simply say a player has tested positive. McKenzie added it could be part of a weekly report going forward indicating how many players have or haven't tested positive. Um, Okay, that doesn't seem like the greatest plan to me. He added... Most of the players understand the need to return to action is an important one, but there is a vocal minority raising concerns. A player could be allowed to opt out of returning if they have strong objections to doing so. Now, the decision on the two host cities could come as early as next week. Again, Vegas seems to be one of the front runners, and also... Um, Yeah, a Canadian team might be in the mix as well. Emily Kaplan of ESPN, she's reporting the NHL has assured its coaches they won't face any restrictions preventing them from doing their jobs. Those of a certain age or at-risk demographic won't be prevented from being behind the bench. Health and safety protocols for coaches and their interactions with players are still being discussed. A bit concerning there for sure. Uh, I don't know. It, It really seems as though we're going to need another outbreak for people to begin to take this seriously again, which would be obviously very unfortunate. Um, Hockey note, Blue Jackets defenseman Seth Jones, who was injured with a right ankle fracture and sprain, is ready to return uh, if and when hockey does resume, and that could play a part in, a big part in uh, the series play-in series between the Blue Jackets and the Toronto Maple Leafs. So yeah, that's the latest on the NHL's return to play plan. Still a lot up in the air. And, you know, I don't know where I sit on whether or not hockey's going to come back. Seems about 50-50 at this point, despite the fact that the wheels are in motion, especially with rising rates of COVID-19 in some uh, states. So, yeah, that's it for this week's episodes of the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed the show this week. Uh, I believe in the next couple weeks we're going to be going back to the future and kind of projecting what things might look like for this team in the coming years. I hope you all have a great weekend. Uh, Happy Father's Day to those who are celebrating. And for those who, uh, you know, that... Celebration brings up negative emotions. Uh, I wish you well this weekend, and I hope you do take care of yourself. I'll be, um, yeah, just hanging out with the family, watching Billions, which my wife and I have started recently. We're deep into season one and enjoying that. I'm also really flying through New Girl and said on Twitter the other night that Nick Miller might be my favorite sitcom character of all time. So with that, I suggest you check out the Locked On NHL podcast. Always some great content over there. And 
Uh, yeah, again, thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll talk to you again next week. Later, friends.